Welcome to the Cap Region YP Insights Plus Resources for Young Professionals in the 518. Our podcast is presented by the Capital District Transportation Authority, CDTA. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cap Region YP. My name is Lindsay Eisner. I'm joined by my co-host, Blaze Bryant. And for our community speaker segment today, we are here with Jill Peckinpah, who is the executive director of the U.S. Committee for Refugees and Immigrants in Albany. Thanks for joining us, Jill. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. Um, You know, why don't we start off by learning a little bit more about USCRI. Can you tell us about the work that you do? Despite its very government sounding name, we're actually a nonprofit organization uh, known locally as USCRI by its acronym. And we help refugees become self-sufficient, contributing members of our community um, who can, again, dream of a hopeful future for themselves and their children. The, our Albany office was established in 2005, and we've resettled more than 4,500 refugees in the capital region since that time. I joined the organization in 2009, and the refugees have come from um, various countries around the world, places like Afghanistan, Bhutan, Burma, Democratic Republic of Congo, Iraq, Pakistan, Sudan, Syria, Eritrea, Ethiopia, and the Ukraine. So certainly um, from all over the place then. Yeah, yeah, really. And, uh, you know, currently people are coming from uh, Afghanistan and Democratic Republic of Congo and some families from uh, originally from Burma, otherwise known as Myanmar, that are rejoining families uh, often often separated for years. That's terrific. Jill, how did you get involved in this line of work? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I started in uh, college in Madison, Wisconsin. I was uh, taking uh, history classes, Latin American history classes and the Central American um, undocumented refugees, and I started out helping them. And then I went on to get my international relations degree and have a for-profit job for a lot of years. And then, you know, fast forward to uh, a few years ago, joining USCRI in Albany. So I feel like it's kind of bookends of my career have uh, started and, and hopefully continue to the end with uh, helping refugees. That's great. Yeah, I'd like I like seeing people go from point A to point B and beyond and kind of pulling more out of themselves than they knew they had. And I enjoy seeing the community building that happens for, for all that are involved. Um, yeah. Sounds like really rewarding work. So what typically draws immigrants and refugees to, to Albany in particular, the capital region? Uh, So people don't actually, uh, for the most part, don't get to pick uh, where they go, even uh, what country they go to sometimes, which is why we see families that are separated. A sibling might be sent to um, Australia or the UK. And so then the families are are separated by continents as as, as well as other ways. Uh, If someone has a family member or friend in Albany or or any place else, and they have their actual physical address, they can include that when they're talking to the UNHCR officials uh, in the country where they have uh, fled to as refugees. 
And, um, and then the U.S. government, uh, U.S. refugee resettlement process tries to keep families and uh, friends together. And I should say a little about, you know, what designates somebody being a refugee, because it's a term that we've heard a lot in the media. And, you know, there's a lot of, sadly, a lot of different kinds of refugees now, including environmental refugees, uh, fleeing all kinds of natural disasters and unnatural disasters. But when, when we say refugee, this is somebody who's come through the U.S. refugee resettlement process into the U.S. They are fully documented and vetted, um, both from uh, multiple medical checks and security checks before they even come. And it's uh, the UN definition that says someone who's fleeing war or persecution on account of race, religion, ethnicity, or belonging to a certain political or social group, they're outside of their country of origin, they're not able to return due to a well-founded fear of persecution. And so then that's when they get resettled. And less than 1% of the world's refugees ever get resettled. Mm. Um, so we're, we feel very honored to be part of this resettlement process of people starting new lives and becoming contributing members of our community. Absolutely. And I think what is also important for people to know who maybe have not done refugee work, I mean, Jill and I, we were talking before we started recording about, you know, our, our sort of parallel work in the refugee space is that there also is a limit as to how many are resettled annually. And while that number dropped because of the previous administration, and that's not to make it political, that is a very sad and unfortunate fact, that number, I guess, is increasing from or, or because of the Biden administration. So take us through, Jill, how that sort of process works in terms of determining who gets resettled and who does not. Sure, I'm happy to. Um, in terms of who gets resettled and who doesn't, you know, the medical and security vetting, uh, you know, somebody might just not be able to uh, prove that they're telling the truth and that they've, you know, fled these different places under these different circumstances, or they might have, um, you know, poor immune systems or something and not be able to make it through the medical screen. So uh, I don't know as much about the people that don't get through in terms of those that do, uh, as you say, there's each year the federal government sets uh, a number for how many refugees will be accepted. It's called the presidential ceiling. And uh, until recently, under both Republican and Democratic administrations, going back to the 80s, uh, the number averaged about 90,000 people each year. In recent years, it's fallen to less than 20,000 people that have been uh, resettled in the U.S., year. And now the new ceiling for this current year is set at um, 62,500. Uh, it was set a little late, so we won't get that many people through this year, but it, it shows that we're back on that, um, that path of more people being resettled. And then the expectation is over 100,000 um, the following year in the future year. And what that means in Albany, when the 
presidential ceiling was set at uh, about 70,000. So for several years, it was at 70,000. And in Albany during those years, we were resettling about 400 people a year, which if you think of families averaging four people, then it's about hundred families. Some people come as uh, single individuals, but it just kind of gives you some, some gauge. And then in uh, 2016, the ceiling jumped up to 85,000 in recognition of the Syrian refugees. You remember they were in the media a lot in 2016 and we had a wonderful outpouring of support from uh, volunteers, so many people that wanted to help and did help. And um, at that point, then we resettled almost 600 people, 581 that year. So um, we, as all resettlement agencies throughout New York State and throughout the country, we're in a process of of ramping back up, hiring more staff, establishing processes to again welcome, you know, four or five hundred people uh, in Albany. And one thing I should say is that, you know, we, those of us doing this work, only want refugees to land in places where they're going to be welcomed, right? And so there's a whole process that the U.S. government requires and refugee resettlement process requires and that we do locally of um, on an annual and honestly at least quarterly basis. Uh, we do it through our refugee roundtable every other month. There's uh, We work in tandem with the schools, the health providers, the um, employers, the volunteers, uh, neighborhood associations, you know, individuals, you know, to make sure that all those systems are in place uh, so that there's adequate English language teachers and enough jobs for people to um, not not be on temporary assistance too long and um, be able to become self-sufficient and contributing members. So it's a kind of a complex uh orchestra that that all gets assembled and um i'm happy to say that works that process works very well in albany it's really a welcoming place for refugees and immigrants and um all of those different agencies uh that need to work together you know we do we do that well so um sorry that's maybe a long-winded answer to your simple question but it's a lot of groups working together and, and really community with a capital C. That's great. It's, it's really, I think it's a great kind of conversation to have, you know, the average person probably doesn't know the very rigorous process. It sounds like into, you know, background checks and all of that type of stuff before refugees are even able to get placed. So that's really, really enlightening to hear. And it sounds like, yeah, it's great to hear that Albany is a, is a welcoming place and wouldn't expect anything less. Yeah, um, and how people – and the other thing that I that we really need people to realize, and if there's one thing that you take away from this podcast, it is that refugees are literally learning how by – or on the fly to start a life that does not involve the – the absolutely harsh conditions that their that their homeland uh, caused them to leave. So it's learning the language. It's 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 all these sort of things that we take for granted that we place a lot of privilege on, isn't it, Jill? 
Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. And and the simplest things of how to navigate the buses or um, even things like a national grid bill. If your last home was a, a tent in Thailand, you, you, you weren't paying for uh, heat, you know, and, and so it can be really, really challenging. And I know um, you have young professionals in the area that may be wondering how they can get involved. And so I wanted to mention a couple couple ways. We've um, had a lot of student volunteers for years who've had terrific experiences, you know, applying their global degrees while still in Albany. And that has motivated a lot of people to either continue in refugee resettlement work uh, or social work, and including um, some coming back to work at USCRI. So both as student volunteers and, and other types of volunteers. We also have a, a youth mentoring program that pairs volunteer mentors with refugee youth ages uh, 15 to 24 to help them work towards their educational and career goals. And we find that uh, younger mentors can sometimes really connect with the students in the program. Maybe they're just a few years further along and it can be very gratifying for both the mentor and the mentee. So um, we, we always welcome volunteers that way and we'll be looking for a lot more of those, particularly in the fall. That's great to hear. You answered kind of one of the questions we always ask is how people can get involved. So thanks for that. Um, you know, we know you're preparing, well, by the time the podcast airs, you'll have had your A Walk in Their Words event um, for World Refugee Day, but do you have any other events coming up or can people kind of keep an eye out for other things happening throughout the year? Yeah, so we have a new, we have lots of new programs. We've um, been wonderfully blessed again with Albany and with funders uh, who want to support our work. So we have a lot of new programs, but one that I would like to focus on is uh, community sponsorship. So we'll be, um, you know, organizations, faith-based or otherwise, rotary clubs, uh, any, any kind of organization or really group of people that want to get involved, we're um, organizing what we call good neighbor teams. So we would come and do a presentation and get questions answered and stuff specifically with that, with any group that's even mildly interested. And then um, if they say, yeah, this sounds great, let's do it, then um, we would ask them to form teams of three or more people to help refugee families um, to successfully integrate in their new lives. So we would pair them with one specific family and they could uh, start three months in. So people you know, have that support from our staff um, during the first 90 days. There's some, some focused things like just getting registering kids for school and um, signing them up for social services and getting some health needs. And there's a lot that goes on in those first 30 to 90 days. But after that, of course, refugees still face major adjustment challenges. And so that's where these good neighbor teams will come in. And uh, they could choose different tasks to help with. So maybe they want to help with tutoring. Maybe they want to help with us um, setting up that apartment actually prior to the 90 days. Maybe they want to... Um, help drive people to doctor's appointments. There's, there's a bunch of different things. And this is a brand new program for us. We just hired our community sponsorship developer, just started yesterday and very exciting to have this funding for this program to further involve the community, uh, particularly in such a welcoming place as Albany. I just, I just can't wait to see the, 
um, what gets created. So if uh, you're part of a group or a club or you want to form one or a faith-based or other organization, and that sounds even a little bit interesting, please um, email us at info at uscri-albany.org if you want to start that kind of team. And uh, if you can't remember all those letters, if you just you know, Google refugees in Albany, you'll, you'll pretty quickly get to, to USCRI. So. Well, I will repeat the letters again as we are just about out of time. That is info at uscri.org. And to find out more about the great work that the U.S. Committee on Refugees uh, does here in the city of Albany, that is uscri-albany.org. Jill Peckinpah, what a treat to have you on the podcast. We've learned so much from you in these 17 or so minutes that we've been talking, and we look forward to working with USCRI more in the future. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you both. My pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Remember to subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. And we will see you for our next community speaker segment on the CAP Region YP. Thank you for listening to the CAP Region YP presented by the Capital District Transportation Authority, CDTA. The sponsors for the Young Professionals Network are Berkshire Bank, Ellis Medicine, TransFinder, UHY, and MVP. You can hear our community speaker segment on the first Wednesday of the month and our YP of the month segment on the third Wednesday. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Capital Region YPN.